Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. My home is not on this earth, not in this world. Good morning. And Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm starting with this because this morning in our series on Isaiah, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9. If you are a regular in church, you might recognize this as the unto us a child is born story. It's dragged out every year as a traditional festive scripture. And that's fine. In the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel makes it clear that the child who is going to be unto us will be Jesus. So it's absolutely looking forward to Christmas. But that does make it a bit of a challenge for us today to read these Bible verses without thinking of stables and mangers So let's do something a bit different. Up for the challenge? I'm going to tell you these Bible verses, the story, as I imagine Isaiah will have first told it, in like a dramatic presentation. In fact, this will be exactly how Isaiah will have told it. I'll need to make a few take a few liberties. For example, you know Isaiah only had a really early version of PowerPoint to work with, and he didn't even have a MacBook. He was relying on Windows (laughs) 3.0. To get us into the spirit of those times, turn to the person next to you and say, you are an ancient Jew from Jerusalem. Well done. (laughs) Now follow that up with this. Say, the following things have not been invented yet. (laughs) Smartphones. Pizza. Deodorant. Well done. We're in the zone, I think. So this morning, don't think about tinsel and mince pies. We're going to think of a people, a religious way of life that's under pressure. How that can push some people towards despair, other people towards looking to God for a miracle. Imagine how these words of Isaiah would have been originally received all those years ago. Try to engage with the doubt, the shock, maybe the disbelief of the original hearers. And let's ask ourselves, how prepared are we for God to do something miraculous? To shock us, maybe to turn our lives upside down. As a special offer for you today, you're going to get two graves for the price of one. You all know that my wife Jane co 
co-developed these preachers with me. You didn't think I could be this good all by myself, did you? <laughs> well, today I've asked her to take a little speaking part. She's going to help set the scene for us, just for a few minutes, in the form of a newly discovered news report from the time of Isaiah 9. So take yourself back almost 3,000 years. March the 1st, 736 BC. Here we go. Here is the news. 250 years ago, our nation was thriving. David, our king, was a man after God's own heart. But since then, things have not gone well. Our country has split into Judea and Israel. We here in Judea have kept Jerusalem as our capital, but things are still difficult. Now, the heathen nation of Assyria is on the move, looking to expand their empire. Latest reports suggest Assyrian armies have attacked Syria and Canaan. Some in our government in Jerusalem say alliance with our neighbours, Aram and Israel, is the best way to protect ourselves. The nation's prophets, including Isaiah, son of Amos, have held a news conference urging our King Ahaz to turn to the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah is quoted as saying, Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted. But our leader Ahaz has argued that, on the contrary, the wisest counsel is his new treaty with the old enemy Assyria, and has issued a statement saying, I believe it is peace in our time. Is the king right that sensible compromise is the way forward? Or should we follow the prophets who say Jehovah will deliver us? What might we expect from the Lord in these turbulent days? Next, the weather. So this is how Isaiah might have responded. It is not an easy time to be a follower of God. Foreign powers, unbelievers are in the ascendancy. We cry out to God, but it is difficult to hold faith when we hear that Assyria and their false god seem to be winning. Zebulun and Naphtali in Galilee up in the north and east of the kingdom, have been the first of our tribes, the lands, to be defeated by the Assyrian army. It is a time of gloom. Even as I say that, it sounds inadequate. Gloomy doesn't sound too bad, does it? Not good, but not as good as bright sunshine, but not as bad as darkest night just kind of average or mediocre. But if we live in gloom long enough, we can start to give up. We still call ourselves a believer, a follower of the Lord, and we do what we're all supposed to do. We go to temple, we pay our tithes, we do the sacrifices, but enough gloom, too much dark, and not enough light and we start to expect less and less from God. 
I think this is what has happened to King Ahaz. If you read some of my earlier eight chapters, and you know you should, there's some really good stuff in there, you will know that some of my prophesying is to Ahaz directly as ruler of our nation. Not many of us here are rulers, but we are all called to be people of faith, people who trust in the Lord in our particular circumstances. And so we can all be tempted by despair, like Ahaz is, when we fight battles of faith and come away battered and bruised it can be tempting to compromise, especially in the gloom. King Ahaz, in his weakness, has even reached out to other gods, false idols, just in case Jehovah is not up to the task. He is quoted as saying, because the gods of Assyria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. In my personal experience, nothing good ever comes from that sort of despair. Other gods cannot help us. As our national poet, King David, wrote, Why are you in despair, my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, because I will praise him once again, since his presence saves me. And he is my God. We don't always have an easy time. You might not have an actual army coming to get you this morning. But we all have pressures, family disasters, money problems, work crises. And these are hard to withstand. Too much dark, not enough light. The temptation to despair is understandable. It's human. But with our God, there are always possibilities. God's presence is with us. If you need to dash off to attend to your flocks, I do understand. Take this thought away with you. Things look bleak for our nation. Do not despair. God is with us. So what is God going to do? The main motorway, the one known as the M way from the sea, that central highway was the route that the Assyrian army first used when they invaded the northern kingdom of Israel. But now God is going to do something glorious from along that way over the sea. It doesn't sound very likely, does it? That route goes through Galilee. There are so many foreigners, so many Gentiles living in and around Galilee. You might as well call it Galilee of the Gentiles. Everyone knows Can anything good come from Galilee? Well, God is saying something glorious will come from Galilee. Something bringing light. We who feel we have walked in darkness for too long are going to see 
a great light, there is going to be a great miracle. We have always been a small nation. We started small and have grown, and we've had our moments, but we don't really compare to the mighty empires around us. Well, that will change one day. One day, uh, the descendants of our father Abraham will be as vast as the grains of sand on the shore, as numerous as the stars in the sky, and we will rejoice. Not the superficial happiness, the, oh, how cool, I've just found a little bit of loose change down the back of my camel, (laughs) rejoicing, but deep down joy that comes from God, the genuine sense of the presence of God. It's like at harvest time. So I'm a prophet, not a farmer like you guys, But I know you have worked hard on your crops, planted, ploughed, watered and weeded. Mostly you've prayed because it all depends on the weather and you've got no control over that. When it all comes right, you collect in that food that you have grown and you rejoice. It's when you've won the battle and you get the plunder setting aside that there are dead bodies all over the place, you get to keep that enemy stuff that you've taken. It's the accepted rule of war. After the battle, you divide the spoil. And that can be joy after a hard fight. All this rejoicing will be because God is going to bring us miraculous freedom. Time and time again, we've been oppressed by those in the world greater and stronger than us. But that burden, that pressure, like the wooden cross piece that we put on the cattle's shoulders so they will work for us, that yoke is going to be shattered and thrown away. It will be just like the Battle of Midian. You remember the Battle of Midian from GCSE history, right? 400 years ago, the Midianite armies were constantly raiding our lands. They stole or killed our animals, burnt our farms, almost reducing us to starvation. Then the man called Gideon saw the Lord in the form of an angel. He was inspired to raise an army of Israelites to take on these Midianites and and deliver our people. To cut a long story short, he led an embarrassingly small force of 300 men against thousands of Midian soldiers. It wasn't exactly a battle in human terms. Gideon's men crept closer to the army. They blew trumpets, they waved swords, they lifted up lantern lights, And shouted a lot. Then God moved. The Spirit of God caused the enemy soldiers to panic. They cried out. Some attacked each other. All ran. God gave the victory. 
It is true sometimes that God calls us to work hard and to fight hard. You remember that time that Moses led the army against the Amalekites. It is said, whenever Moses held up his hand to the Lord, the Lord prevailed. It was the power of God through Moses' intercession that won the day. But there was still an army in the field. There was still a human battle. Well, this time, it's going to be all God. In the end, it has to be all his work. We are fundamentally separated from God. We have our laws, our traditions, our covenant with the Lord... That's what we should be following. We've not always done well at that. But even when we try our best, these laws seem to show us where we are going wrong. But they do nothing to help us. We have proved time and time again, salvation cannot be a team effort. It has to come from God. If you think for a moment you realise we don't deserve that. That won't stop God. In his great love and mercy, he is going to do another battle of Midian, but it will not be against the external enemy this time, rather against that broken, evil stubbornness inside all of us. When that battle is won, the victory will be astounding. In fact, you warriors, your combat boots that all get all dirty from the battle, your clothes that get covered in blood and gore, and I really don't want to know what else, all that stuff that you have to clean up and prepare and have ready for the next battle, well, you might as well throw that into the fire. There will be a day when you just burn all of that. God will do something so profound in the world, you will no longer need your weapons and your armour. Do you start to see what sort of victory this is going to be? I predict this. All of history will pivot around that moment. King Ahaz can't see it. He cannot get hold of the fact that God has something that world-changing planned. He knows we have no hope left to ourselves, but he forgets that our God is a God who intervenes, who will send a miracle. I don't know when this is going to happen, when God will move, I want it all now. But even if we have to wait, I don't know, 736 years, let let us trust in God. Call on God for his power, his deliverance, his miracle. He is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. You might want to sit down for the next bit. This mighty victory, this better than Midian thing, 
Well, this time God is not going to send a top general or a mighty fighter or even an amazingly charismatic speaker like me. (laughs) Before I prophesy the last two verses, consider this. It is easy to get used to how God seems to work in the world. I get into a routine. I go to the temples, I say the traditional prayers, I prophesy a bit, and I get on with life. Maybe I start to expect a bit less from the Lord. I start to limit God to what he has always done in the past, to what I've already experienced. I start to make assumptions. Let me tell you what is coming unto us. And maybe let this prompt us to see if we are limiting God, even as we look for the miracle. Because, you know, the Lord's thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are his ways our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Actually, that's pretty good. I should jot that down for later. (laughs) So here it is. God is not going to send an army or a host of angels. He's going to send a baby. This baby, this boy, is going to be in charge of everything. All power, authority, rulership in this world and the next. God is going to give it to this baby, this son. Let me tell you more. He's going to be called the counsellor. All wisdom will be his. I imagine, even as a boy... When he's in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers, all who hear him will be amazed at his understanding and his answers. And the ultimate counsellor, the Holy Spirit, will be with him. In some ways, he's going to be God himself. God here with us on earth mighty God. He will work wonders. He'll quieten storms, heal the sick, bring freedom to the oppressed, sight to the blind. He will be everlasting Father. Don't ask me how this is going to work. It makes no sense. This baby is going to be a person A little noisy, smelly one to start with, I grant you. But definitely a person, 100%. But he will also be God, 100%. Mighty Father God, Son given unto us, Holy Spirit, Counselor. It's like somebody should come up with a word to describe that. Maybe a three-togetherian. Or trio in a tea. I don't know. He is going to bring peace. I don't mean everything will be all Disney, whatever that is. 
This will be the fundamental piece that we all need. You remember those old stories of Job when he considered the holiness of God and how far fallen we are. He said, if only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. I think this child is going to do something to end that divide, to bring peace between God and man. Once this is done, it will never be undone. Whatever else we see around us, whatever else happens, that peace, that rule will never be taken away. We have had good times before. After Gideon defeated the Midianites, we had a time of peace, and we were safe under King David, but those times never seemed to last as long as they should. Something always went wrong. We went wrong. As a people, we could never hold our end of the covenant. But this baby, this king, the peace that he brings, the kingdom that he rules, that will never end. That peace will mean that once we are safe in our Lord's hands, nothing will be able to snatch us out. You have to be asking right now, how will this happen? It's too big. It's too fundamental. You're not worried about that. I'm afraid I've not explained properly. All I can say is this. God will do it. The Lord of hosts will make it happen. It's time for me to finish. Assyria is not going to capture our city, at least not this time. But you understand now, this is not really the battle I'm talking about. One day, people like you will be sitting in the assembly of the faithful, living in the good of this baby having been born. This amazing kingdom will be being established spreading across the world. There will still be day-to-day struggles, but the eternal battle, the final victory, that will be assured by this baby given unto us. So do not give in to despair. Let God do something unexpected and look again to God for a miracle.